It was a temporary solution on the way to stardom. Grooming dogs. It earned her a few dollars while she awaited her big break. Little did she know then that grooming dogs was her big break. Hi, I'm James Jacobson. Welcome to The Long Leash. Today, I sit down with celebrity dog stylist, actress, and comedian, Instagram sensation, and reality TV show judge, Jess Rona. This one-woman dynamo started grooming dogs in her garage, but things really took off when she started making slow-motion music videos of the dogs for their owners. Ears and fluff flapping in the wind, they went viral. And so did Jess. She lists Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel's dogs among her celebrity clients. Jess has written a book. She's appeared on a range of TV shows, and she's a star judge on the hilarious and over-the-top reality TV grooming series, Hot Dog, or Hot Dog. We'll get into that. The life that she lives now, why, it is a far cry from her humble beginnings. And in this conversation, Jess Rona gives us an honest and raw account of how she reached the highest of highs by going down a very unconventional path. You know, I think one of the things that I really appreciate about some of your YouTube videos is how truly authentic and unstaged you come across. Well, thank you. It is. I have an improv background and I love, it's almost like it's dangerous, you know, when it's really unstaged. What do you mean dangerous? Do you want to see my real truth and then... That's, I don't know, not dangerous, but like, you know, risky. It's like, oh, this is actually real. Anything could happen. Well, do you think that may be one of the reasons why you have gained such a big following? Because you're, after all, a dog groomer. I mean, much more than that. But yes, I am. I am a dog groomer. Um, Well, you know, I was never really supposed to be a dog groomer. So I'm actually, I started off as an actor and a comedian. And I started my business because I was like, I got fired basically for always having to leave for auditions, (laughs) which is fair. Totally fair. I shouldn't have been anyone's employee. I'm very, very entrepreneurial. I'm very picky and opinionated. But um, yeah, so I started a business in my garage. So in theory, I would have more time for auditions. But, you know, as an actor, it means that you're not going on auditions a lot sometimes. And I was in my garage. I was alone. It was me and my Prius and a bathtub and a table. And I just was antsy and sad and really not in a good place. And I was like, oh, my God, this dog's ears are blowing in the wind as music crescendos in my ears. This is an epic moment. And so I grabbed my phone and I started making these videos because I had such a very strong urge and it never went away, but I have a very strong urge to create. And, you know, in another life, I would have been a filmmaker. And this is all when the iPhone just came out. So we now had the ability to create movies and music videos and whatever we wanted. Whereas before we couldn't really do that. So I was like, oh, my God, I want to do all of it. I want to do this so much. And it just like caught on because it was really early on in Instagram life. It was like 2015. Mm -hmm. 
2015. So I was, I just feel like I created content in a time when everybody was thirsty for it. And I became really lucky in that regard because I didn't know what to expect or what I was doing. It was all these things coming together, improvisational background, the fact that you were in the garage with the Prius, a dog and a table and a new iPhone. And it, just, it was a humble beginning. It started in the garage, but not so humble now. Hell no, I'm living the life, babe. Yeah, I hear you're like party to you fly over and party in Maui. So you're living in Los Angeles. Tell me about living the life. <laughs> I mean, I can't really say living the life doesn't come with work on the side of that. <gasps> Shock. I know. So I realized as I was grooming dogs that I had this sort of negative space in my day. Whereas like I'm just quietly grooming dogs and I have this opportunity to listen to books or podcasts and learn while I'm grooming. So I'm not just doing one thing. I'm listening and doing this thing. So I'm not really like, I don't want to say wasting time, but only working. So like four years ago, I discovered Audible and I started listening. I'm like, well, why don't I just better myself while I'm working? So I dove really deep and became obsessed with, and it, the obsession is still at a 10 with personal development and, you know, self-help. And I, and I've basically just sort of like used it to, to evolve as a human. And I, I felt really lucky that I was able to just listen to things all day while I was working. What are some of the most significant influences that you have put into your head while you're grooming dogs that have basically moved you along in your career? Yeah. So I can't really take credit for it because I mean, I can, but like Jen Sincero, mm -hmm. she is an author. She wrote the You Are a Badass book series. There's four of them, but there was one in particular called You Are a Badass at Making Money. That one really was my Bible on going for it. I first listened to You Are a Badass at Making Money because it's not just about money. Money is such a weighted topic. Mm -hmm. But I kind of was at a moment in my life where I was unsatisfied and just at a place where I was like, I want more. Mm -hmm. And something, and then there's a, she actually talks about how she started off living in a one-car garage when she was 40. And she was like, is this my life? And she like woke up and did all the Tony Robbins stuff and became a loon. And that's where I was like really inspired by her because she started so late in life. Right. And now she's this fancy, you know, self-help person. But she was the biggest influence. And um, I loved like the Oprah podcast, listening to people's, you know, conversations with her. And then like, I just really dove into money mindset because um a lot of people believe that rich people are X or rich people are X, you know, but what if all these underdogs were rich? How awesome would the, would the world be if all these people that are basic blue collar, everyday people, what if those people were the ones who had a lot of money? And um, there's a world where everybody can be satisfied and wealthy in their own way. I think this is fascinating. So originally you tell me a little bit about your growing up days on, and not on the West coast. No, I was always on the West coast. Oh, you've always been on the West coast. Okay. Born and raised in LA. 
Okay. So is there a more humble story to your background than oh, what yeah. you're I, mean, I was not wealthy growing up at all. Um, but I did live in New York for a couple of years. Okay. I knew there was a New York component because I can feel a little New York vibe. Oh, yeah. People say that. It's so funny. My mom is from Brooklyn. So I grew up with a Brooklyn mom, but I grew up in L.A. It's funny because when I'm in L.A., everybody thinks I'm from New York. And when I'm in New York, everyone knows I'm from that. <laughs> huh. I think that's even a deeper metaphysical conversation. Okay, so you had humble beginnings and you were, uh, I want to be an actor. And you did this improv a lot. Who was your most influential improv teacher? Oh, my God. I mean... I went to the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. I started UCB in New York. And I mean, man, that's hard. I did, I was like a crazy improv nerd for like 10 years. I was grooming dogs during the day and doing improv shows at night. And that's, those were my two main focuses. I want to get really good at both. How do you think improv, the study of improv, the execution of improv, and most importantly, the practice of improv for 10 years, influences what you do with dogs and your entrepreneurial career and even hooking up our technology to make this show possible. I know I was grumpy. Sorry about that. I was like, I can't figure this out. I got to go. <laughs> um, I feel like improv is there's such a sense of play and fun and not taking yourself too seriously and also a heightened sense of listening. Mm. So I'm very improvisational when it comes to haircuts for dogs and that's more of a technical, literal sense. But I'll look at a dog and I'll think about what brings out their most fun, exciting style. So sometimes, um, like I did a, a grooming competition and it occurred to me mid-competition that I should carve a heart out of the collar of fluff. Uh -huh. And that would really give like a fun like addition to this haircut. And I ended up getting first place, but it was like something that I thought of in the moment. And I think... You know, everybody should have some element of improv in their life. I mean, we do. I'm. This isn't scripted. I'm improvising with you. But, like, I just feel like everybody should be open to the unexpected and excited by it. In terms of the dog grooming side, it sounds a little bit like you're a sculptor with a, I don't know, a, a bit of clay. And you're like, what does this dog want to be? Yes, totally. For sure. Like a specific ear shape will guide me or a specific body shape will guide me and I can tweak and sculpt with my shears. And to what extent is the dog contributing to your inspiration or is this just coming from deep within yourself? Um, I think sometimes the dog's personality will contribute. Like I'm not going to dye pink ears and tail on a dog that's super shy that won't want the attention. Yeah. You know, more, a more outgoing, friendly dog will have a fun tail color. Or I could do like, I can grow in bangs and do a top knot with long ears. Like if I'm really feeling like this dog can pull it off. Some dogs, especially poodles, I mean, they're so versatile. I could do so many different iterations of haircuts. And then in terms of the ability to sort of be in the moment, how has that played into your career? Not when you're, you know, grooming a dog. I think I have, um, as far as like the actual part of my career, mm -hmm. I think just being an improviser has helped me socially because I'm, I'm really good at listening to clients and I'm good at, and I just feel like listening to them and also not taking any of it too seriously helps me, um, 
you know, have more of an ease with it. Obviously, like certain things are serious. Like when really fancy people want me to groom their dogs, I'm like, this has to be perfect. But like when I'm hanging out with them, I, you know, I'm very easygoing and it's, I don't want to make them feel weird. I'm very much just listening and making it about them, which is really what you do when you're improvising in a scene. If you're good at it, you're making it about the other person and you're just really listening. So when you are grooming these celebrity dogs, is there a little bit of extra pressure? I put it on myself because I want to do a good job for them. I'm, I love them. They're, I'm, I'm, I mean, I really want to do a good job for all my clients, but like, like for example, Jane Lynch came in and she came in, she came over when I was still working in my garage. She like <laughs> walked around my house into the garage. And I was like, holy Manoli Jane Lynch is in and my You house. looked up at her. I looked up at her. And Best in Show is my favorite movie of all time. Mine too. Is it? It's yours of all time? Yes. Yes. I just watched it the other day. It's amazing. Amazing. Well, if anyone who is, you know, dedicated to dogs, it's kind of an awfully good, you know, work that maybe one of my top three. Okay. I'll have to say top three, but it is definitely a really impactful film. So it's not your favorite. It is among my top three. If I was talking to a filmmaker from one of the others, I would have to say you're in my top three too. Okay. So I, I like lots of different flavors of ice cream, but yeah, it's very you. high up. So anyway, so Jane Lynch comes in, you look up. I look up and I was just like, you know, I don't do this. Even like I grew Megan Mullally's dogs. I mean, Megan Mullally, Will and Grace is like, I mean, I'm just such a big fan of these women. And when Jane Lynch came over, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be too starstruck. And I just said, you know, I don't do this. This I'm in the service business. I'm not in a business of like promoting anything I'm doing. I'm all about my client and the dog. That's their number one. And so I was just like, you know, I don't do this, but Best in Show is my favorite movie. My life is sort of like Best in Show, but in the grooming world. And she was thrilled. She was so sweet and kind and was gracious and wonderful. And I was like, okay, let's get to your dog. Tell me everything, you know? And that was the first meeting. And then ever since then, I never said anything again, but I'm always like excited and giddy when I see these people that I'm, I just love and adore just as an actor and a comedian and just as a human person that sees talent, like unparalleled talent, like Jane Lynch and Megan Mullally, they're, they're just, there's nothing better. It's the reality TV series that takes dog grooming to a whole new level. That's when we return. Jess Rona tells me why Hot Dog, or Hot Dog, we'll tell you which, almost didn't get off the ground. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpuff, traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpuff. 
It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. We are back with Jess Rona. So you are the executive producer of the HBO Max show Hot Dog. Tell us about that and how you got into that position. So Hot Dog is the most adorable grooming competition show on the planet. It is inspired by, you know, kitschy 70s glam game shows, the gong show, like old school. Um, That was the vibe. That was our goal. Mm -hmm. And for me to become an executive producer, I I just was lucky enough to have a client who makes shows. She created the show Making It with Nick um, Offerman, who's a client. Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler. Do you have both of them as clients or just Nick Offerman? Just Nick Offerman because he's married to Megan Mullally. (laughs) Um, So she created that show and she walked in and she's like, we're making a show. And I was like, I mean, I had heard it before, you know, I live in LA, but it actually happened. So we started developing it together. You know, we brainstormed on set design and the concept and she put together this sizzle, which would show sort of the world that we can use to pitch the show. And she sent the sizzle to HBO Max. They bought it without the pitch. She just called me and said, we're shooting a pilot. And then, um, I cried because, you know, my two worlds are colliding. This is like the dream of mine. I, I just got another call from her. After the first call that we're going to do the pilot, I got another call. And she said, we're going straight to series. They ordered 12 episodes. And that's when I was like, oh, my God, what is my life? What is my life? I mean, this is really, I really want to create TV shows. I'm creating another one right now. And that is my ultimate, ultimate dream in life is to become a show creator, show runner, actor, director, all of that stuff. Okay. Well, so Hot Dog, you did more than 12. You did like 20 something. No, we did 12. We just did, you just 12. did 12. Okay. And then it didn't get picked up for another season. I don't think we're doing another okay. season now. I mean, I haven't heard, but I don't think we are. When was that originally taped? Well, that was pre pandemic? July. Right in the middle, babe. Right in the middle. It was, it was early. What was that like? It was so stressful because we thought we were going to get shut down. It was in July of 2020. So just a few months into the pandemic, everyone was kind of scared. Everything was heightened. It was very, you know, it was stressful. So we're just like, we're going to shoot all 12 episodes in two weeks, try to bang it out before we maybe have to go back into lockdown. So we shot them. We did not get shut down and we were able to pull it off, which was a feat. That's awesome. And it sounds like you're working on another show right now. Can you talk about that? Right now I'm developing another show. It's a scripted comedy, but it's improvised. And it's about a dog grooming shop. Let's face it. There's no better workplace comedy than in a dog grooming shop. I said it. So 
tell me about what makes working in because uh, your salon and uh, you're gonna go on your YouTube channel and you get a sense of what your salon is. It is not gargantuan. It is pretty small. How many people do you have working there? I have eight employees. Okay. So my first salon, which is mostly in my YouTube, is was when I was in the garage still. Uh-huh. And then we've opened the brick and mortar. It's going to be one year since we opened. We opened in August. And so that now is a little bit bigger and it's open to the public. But my garage was not open to the public. Right. I, it was invite only. I was not taking new clients. It was basically just word of mouth. And it was, I had a wait list like 3,000 deep. It was bananas. What makes it funny? Well, I just feel like, you know, this more serious people take this funny, that this thing that is not very serious. It's a dog haircut, but there's such a technical side to it balance and structure and prep work and. You know, there's so much that that goes into grooming a dog that that is funny. It's funny when you take it very seriously. If it means a lot to you, it's funny because it's a dog and it's a haircut. Also, you can do a funny looking haircut. We have a dog named Mocha in the shop today and she's got a shave face, a ponytail and a pink tail with like booties. And she prances around looking like a little unicorn Clydesdale. And this is important work, you know. But it, it's just funny to think that that is important work. I think that's just funny. Because I've been to like big pet shows in Vegas and Orlando. With mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm super zoo is the one I'm thinking of. Yes. So they have, it's like this giant, it's a B2B show for the industry where, you know, people are selling dog food and dog beds and collars and all sorts. And then there's a whole section for dog grooming. And then they try to make it a little interactive by having contests. And you see groomers from my perspective, Jess, who look a lot like their dogs. They, they do things with their hair and their nails and all sorts of things. And then that's why these poodles turn out, you know, pink and blue and green and have sequins on them. And for those of us who are just walking, you know, in like street clothes, it's funny. It is funny. What kind of person chooses to become a groomer from your experience? From my experience, it's usually people who don't love working with people. Mm-hmm. or who don't love, or who just really, really love dogs. Mm. And also, by the way, the little grooming competition at Super Zoo is a big deal. In fact, like this, there's like a jackpot grooming competition where people could win 10 grand for, for winning. Wow. Did you know that? I I'm going to go in August. It's coming up. I'm, ex- I'm looking forward to it. August in Vegas is always perfect. This is why you want to stay inside and, and just like, and groom and groom. Oh, yeah. It is an amazing community of, but you know, the groomers are definitely like in their own little world. As I've seen, it's not like, it's funny. Cause you know, there's the big, you know, Purina or whatever salespeople. And then there's the, there's, there's the thing. And that's what makes the, the world. That's why I love the dog world is there's so many different people, but what connects all of us is our adoration and respect and, and love for dogs. That is the core of why I love this industry and why I want to create more shows because dogs are universal. Everyone loves dogs. Everyone can get behind a dog, you know, but yeah, I think the type of person that is attracted to becoming a groomer is just a dog lover Mm -hmm. and someone who, who wants to make them beautiful and who wants to work with dogs. 
Let's touch briefly on the pandemic and how that impacted the grooming industry in general and your practice. I'm so glad you asked because I learned a lot about how little people know about how to take care of their dogs. There was a lot of panic. There was a lot of, you know, what do I do? My groomer's closed. And so I just recently, a year later, or a little, you know, a little more than a year later, I decided to come out with a pet parent course. So it's a digital course that anybody can take. And you can just learn basics of how to groom your dog between groomings so that you don't have to worry about if your groomer is closed. And little simple things of how to check your dog's teeth or how to brush your dog, how to do basic trimming, nail trimming, that kind of thing. You know, there are old English sheepdogs that never get haircuts. So your dog is fine without a haircut if it goes a long time. Just keep it brushed. You know, that's the most important thing is just keep your dog brushed. Here's how to brush your dog. But there's also, you know, I did some fun things like how to do a splash of color because I wanted to, you know, make it fun. How to do a bath and a blowout, what products to use, how to make it so that your dog doesn't jump out of the tub, how to Mm. make you can actually do. Here's how to handle a dog that doesn't like his face wet. You know, I do like so much with that stuff. That is awesome. We will put a link to that in the show notes for today's episode. That that sounds awesome. Yeah, we had to learn a lot about how to groom our dogs. And my wife, Molly, spent a lot of time with YouTube studying. There's so many people out there who are just so generous with their, I mean, they're, they're YouTube creators. So, you know, we understand that. But they're just so generous with their information. And I think we invested enough to open up our own salon, you know, between like, oh, we bought this shaver and a grooming platform that spins and and it's a big business yeah and i mean i don't want to sound bad but i don't (laughs) love a lot of the content that's out on youtube Uh a lot of it's not great and that's another reason why i wanted to do this pet parent course Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is bad advice or just not not it's just like not good or overly complicated because I'm imagining you're saying this is something to do between grooming sessions, not in lieu of a professional groomer. Yeah. Your dog should still go to the groomer, but if you want to stretch out appointments and Uh go every three months, you know, instead of every month that could, you know, this is how to maintain your dog. If you want to do a little bit at home. Right. Because grooming can get expensive. Grooming can get expensive. Um, Some dogs prefer, you know, they don't love it. And also some people just really want to do it. You can use grooming as as a way to bond with your dog. And I also have a free resource. In, mm-hmm. on my website called the Pet Parent Portal. And I'm constantly adding things like brush out tutorials and other little videos so that if people don't want to buy the whole course, it's only, I think the course is 150. But if you don't want to buy the course, you can just get some free resources because I just don't love all the stuff that's on YouTube and it's overwhelming. And I just don't, I don't know. I'm very picky. Again, we'll put the link to that. One of the things that we're about out of time, but I wanted to ask you, you are so focused on maintaining a low stress level in your salon with your clients and your groomers and everything. And you have sort of a whole approach to that, which includes, and I love this meditation. Yeah. Cause I wrote a book years ago called how to meditate with your dog. So what? tell me about, yeah, it's a book. Check it out. Ooh, I gotta check that out. Yeah. What do you do to get that level energy? 
I mean, I'm constantly self-regulating. I run anxious, you know. Um, That's the so Brooklyn mom. It's the Brooklyn mom. I literally just thought that. I was like, <laughs> it's the Brooklyn mom. But yeah, I mean, I run anxious and a lot of people do. And so I'm, I'm forever self-regulating with deep breathing, box breathing. Um, but I also learned how to do transcendental meditation about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life. Hopefully mm. changed my life. Um, I learned it at the David Lynch foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a 20 minute meditation where you repeat a mantra that's given to you. It's basically repeating a word, but another, um, I think I wrote, it should still be up on my website. I wrote a blog about me- how to start meditating because people think, oh no, my, my thoughts go crazy. And I just can't sit there for, f- for 20 minutes thinking, but it's okay. You're not going to get rid of your thoughts. That doesn't happen. So it's not like, oh, you can get rid of your thoughts. But if you think of them like Pema Chodron, who is a Buddhist nun, who's very famous, um, she thinks, you know, she considers thoughts to be just like clouds passing. So you can think and you can allow. And I don't, I don't deny my nature of thinking. But what I do do is, you know, I gently, lovingly go back to the mantra when thoughts come through. Sometimes I spend my whole meditation thinking I get hijacked by my thoughts and I don't even realize until 15 minutes are gone. And I'm like, oh, whoops. Then I just go back to the mantra and it's okay. I love Wayne Dyer guided meditations. He lived in Maui. I love him so much. He's a friend. Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, he did the I am meditation. It's available for free on YouTube. I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Abraham Hicks has a meditation app. Hay House has meditation as a meditation app. I mean, there's so many. But for me, throughout the day, I'll do box breathing when I can't do a full meditation or I'll sit for five minutes and just do deep breaths. And sometimes on the inhale, I'll just think I am okay or I am calm and present. And on the exhale, I'll think it again. I am calm and present. And I'll just do that five times and it regulates your nervous system when you do that. And it helps you, the dogs, your staff, everyone. It fully changes the vibe of my whole life. Well, it sounds like your life is going awfully well. So keep doing what you're doing, Jess. I'm excited to hear about whatever future plans are going to happen with an improv sitcom-ish show about a dog grooming shop. It sounds Pretty freaking cool. And uh, we'll let people know about it if that comes into the material world and have you back here on Dog Podcast Network. Thank you, Jess Rona, for being with us. Thank you so much. From humble beginnings grooming in a garage to the Hollywood's high life, Jess's story is fun and inspiring, and there are no doubt many more chapters to come. This has been The Long Leash, and if you're itching for more dog stories, well, we have them here at Dog Podcast Network. We have a number of shows like Dog Edition and Dog Cancer Answers, Dog Lovers Live, and of course, this show, The Long Leash. You can find all of those on our website at dogpodcastnetwork.com, and of course, you can find us on all the socials. If you want to leave us a message and let us know what you think of our shows, well, visit our website. Again, the main network website is dogpodcastnetwork.com. And in the bottom right of every episode page, you will see a little blue microphone icon. If you click on that, you can leave us a voicemail and just let us know what you think. 
Thanks again to Jess Rona. And of course, thank you for hitting that play button today. Please be sure to follow us in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. I'm James Jacobson. And from all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Does the act of taking paper to pen and writing help to heal a broken heart after your dog dies? Sheila Cooperman says yes. She joins us on Dog Cancer Answers to tell her true tale about Tucker, her dog who died last year from lymphoma. Sheila shares how writing about him is helping her heal not only from his loss, but from other heartbreaks as well. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and at dogcancer.com slash podcast. <laughs>